Welcome to this new edition of Dognostics Podcast, where two ladies and a couple of dogs all hang out and geek out regarding dogs, dog behavior, pet care, and anything else pet professional. Let's talk today about conflict and what is conflict. Oh, conflict. Well, it's any situation in which there are incompatible goals, cognitions, or emotions between individuals or groups that can lead to some kind of opposition or antagonistic interaction. So it's the struggle between incompatible and opposing needs, wishes, ideas, interests, or people. Conflict is a form of interaction among different people that differ in interests, perceptions, goals, values, or approaches to problems. And it arises when we begin to feel that the other person is interfering with our ability to attain a certain objective. So they're standing in the way of an action or an idea that we want to pursue or some kind of belief that we hold. Conflicts may involve individuals or group disagreements, struggles, disputes, quarrels, or even physical fighting. And because human beings are are unique, possessing a variety of physical, intellectual, emotional, economic, and social differences, whether we like it or not, conflict is inevitable. According to a 2008 study, U.S. employees spend about 2.8 hours per week dealing with an unproductive conflict. And this is equivalent to about $359 billion a year in lost wages. So again, whether we like it or not, conflict is a fact of life, particularly at work. 85% of employees experience conflict to some degree. And when you consider that organizations tend to be composed of people and teams that supposedly have the same goals, that's actually quite scary. But individuals do have different interests and they're still going to compete for things in the resource pool. And because of that, you're going to get friction. So whether the tension is dealt with constructively or not can result in either reduced morale and productivity or more creative and effective solutions, which if managed properly, conflict can initiate. So why do people tend to avoid conflict? Well, first of all, conflict is a normal part of life. And whether we can be very honest about it, even in our families and our relationships, we're going to have conflict. It's a given. What isn't a given is how we choose to react to conflict. Often the pain arises from conflict because it's very uncomfortable and therefore people strive to avoid it. So where does this belief come from? Well, most humans need to be liked by others. And by confronting someone to address a conflict, people often think that maybe it's going to damage the relationship. The other reason why people tend to avoid conflict is because they don't have positive past experiences to draw from. Maybe there wasn't a good role model. However, few if any conflicts are resolved by ignoring them or hoping that someone else will take care of it. 
Ignoring a conflict or waiting for it to solve itself, which it won't, can allow it to become more complex and more destructive. So when conflicts arise, and they inevitably do, we'll do well to consider that we need to manage them constructively. And often when we do that, it brings about better decisions, creativity, and innovative solutions. We call that positive functional conflict. So let's look at what we can do in terms of or what results we can get from using positive functional conflict. Well, it gives us the opportunity in an organization for members to work together and share ideas and voice opinions. And from that, you get lots of really good insights. When you look at positive functional conflict, it can build strong bonds because people are learning together and they're solving problems together. And when they survive something like that, when you come out of a situation that's been difficult and you survive it, it really does enhance the cohesion of a team. When members who disagree are encouraged to put their ideas on a table, you can get some amazingly diverse solutions. It can help with positive personal growth and change. It can also help clarify key issues. So when there's conflict and somebody moderates that conflict, often it's highlighting process problems and errors that as a result of the conflict can be, can be resolved, which means that everybody's work life becomes easier. It can also help us clarify the values of our group or organization and what we all stand for, which again is gonna make us a much better and stronger team. So it's really important not to avoid conflict, to look at it head on, talk about it and find solutions. Because often by doing that, you've just reduced another topic or another scenario that is potentially going to cause conflict in the future. When you trust someone, you're giving that person a responsibility for actions and behaviors that are really important to you. And they're actions and behaviors that you cannot control. Without vulnerability, trust is actually unnecessary. We know that trust is not a right, it's earned. And it's an aspect of relationships that varies within personal groups, within scenarios, within individual relationships. So that means that we do not automatically trust every individual in every situation. When we make a decision to trust somebody, we actually have to assess observable verbal and nonverbal cues that indicate that that individual is honest, reliable, has a sense of justice and is stable. We might trust certain but not all aspects of a person. If you know somebody, a friend, a coworker, that's loyal to you, and hold sensitive issues in confidence, then you'll trust them. However, if that same person lets you know that they've been unfaithful to their spouse or a friend, you're gonna become suspect. So our ability to trust is very dependent on situation. Trust depends on our having the information and experience to make good judgments in a given situation. 
Trust is earned and it evolves over time. It's based on past successful experiences that build on each other that eventually build a climate of trust. However, every sign of trustworthiness can be faked. Somebody that you trust can mimic the appearance of trustworthiness. They can lull you into a false sense of security. So a little prudent paranoia and due diligence is, is recommended, especially in situations where the cost of misplaced or mistaken trust are really high. Trust is really fragile. It's easier to destroy than it is to build. Here's 10 managerial tips for developing trust. Number one, practice what you preach. Narrow the gap between your intentions and your behavior. Number two, open lines of communication. Declare your intentions to others and then invite feedback on your performance. Number three, accept disagreements, differences of opinions and conflict. When things go wrong and problems arise, work for team solutions. Number four, keep confidential information. Confidential. Number five, let others know what you stand for and what you value. Number six, create an open environment. Make it safe for others to be with you and to share with you. Number seven, maintain a high level of integrity and honesty. Number eight, know yourself and how others perceive you and your actions. Build on your competences and also accept your limitations. Number nine, Build credibility with others by being consistent and reliable. And number 10, avoid micromanaging people. This sends a clear message that I don't trust you. That's a wrap for this week. Come visit us, www.dognosticseducation.com.